All right. We're off and rolling with episode number three of the Rookie B podcast, my summer project podcast, which is going pretty well so far. I've recorded episode number three three times now. This will be the third time. I've had technical difficulties and things have come up on the way. So this is number three for sure. And I'm getting this recorded. And I'm here with my pastor, Pastor Mark Hildlink, here at Sunrise Community Church, recording in his office. And we're just going to be talking a little bit about the ministry here. I've been coming to church here for, I want to say about five, six months, maybe. Does that sound about right? Yeah. So about six months, I've been doing um, music here pretty regularly. I started playing guitar. I got my first guitar from Pastor Mark and uh, started playing, playing for services, and I recently got my own. But this has been a really cool ministry to be a part of. Um, They have a pretty significant homeless ministry. Uh, There's a pretty big homeless population here in Austin, so they do a lot helping out with those people and also with people in recovery, um, getting help for addictions and things like that. There's a lot of um, rough cases that come through this church. There's a lot of people that need a lot of help, and they are work in close conjunction with the police officers, EMS here in Austin. They've got pretty close ties with those people in the neighborhood and other churches and stuff like that. So I'm going to let Pastor Mark talk a little bit about his time here at Sunrise, what brought him here, and a little bit about what the ministry does here first. We're going to talk about the church first, and then we're going to talk about the homeless ministry a little bit more in depth and talk about the things that they offer and the things that they've been doing here at Sunrise Community Church. So I'm just going to let uh, Pastor Mark introduce himself and talk about how long he's been here and um, things like that, where he went to college, where he's from, things like that. So, Pastor Mark. Hi, my name is uh, Mark Hilbelink. I am the pastor of Sunrise Community Church in Austin, Texas, and um, I uh, got into ministry basically because I feel like I was kind of forced into it. Sometimes I think people choose ministry for glamorous reasons or because it's um, attractive. Um, I more or less kind of knew that that was what I was supposed to do my whole life um, from the time I was a little kid on and even tried to take an alternate route into business for a while and um, God kind of forced me back into it. And so um, if you want evidence that God is real, I guess you just look to the fact that I'm doing this instead of something that I really wanted to do. Um, and uh, I, I've pastored a few other places, pastored in upstate New York uh, and um, Kentucky and uh, Michigan, Iowa. Um, but I got the call to come down to Texas um, in 2009. And uh, Sunrise is a part of a group of churches that were planted in the late 80s. Um, and the, the whole idea was, kind of coming out of a a movement of churches from the north that um, primarily targeted people with uh, a Dutch background. Um, They would come to cities all across the U.S., uh, in the west and the south, and target a group of Dutch people and try and organize some Dutch people to sing some Dutch songs or uh, organize around Dutch spirituality, which is incredibly boring if you know any Dutch people. uh, get yourself an organ, get yourself some um, self-loathing, and you've got yourself um, some Dutch theology. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, it, it was an interesting church from the get because um, the pastor who originally came in, in the late 80s was kind of a renegade and um, you know, ticked all the, the people off that were supposed to be here. And by the time they started, it was a bunch of single moms, which was very faux pas. 
back in the late 80s uh, to have a church full of single moms um, who are unmarried and um, that kind of thing. And um, so Sunrise has always just been an odd, uh, an odd duck. We've had um, always had a kind of a focus on low-income people and, and people from addiction backgrounds and people um, who struggle um, and people who, you know, just kind of naturally don't um, have a high spiritual maturity level. Um, it's kind of more of an entry, an entry level church, so to speak, if you would. And, um, one, of, one of the reasons that they brought me here, I think, was because they realized that you can't just do entry level stuff all the time. Like you also have to, you know, kind of make a place for mature Christians. And this church has always struggled to do that and do it well. Um, and I'm not saying we've done it well, but I think one of the things we've tried to do over the last few years is balance out um, kind of being, ha- having the kind of people here who are mature um, in their faith, but also just in their lives. Um, and having a good balance uh, racially, having a good balance um, age-wise, um, and, uh, and, and being somewhat attractive um, to younger families, um, but also at the same time not losing our focus uh, and the love for the least of these. And that's that, you know, of, of all of the things in the Christian world, and I, I, um, I also have an office in Denver and um, had an office in Grand Rapids, Michigan, for other jobs that, I've, that I do simultaneously. Um, I get to tour a lot of churches, and, and one of the things that you find out when you tour churches is that there are a lot of churches who are trying their darndest to be multi-anything um, right now. Um, a lot of them want to be multicultural or multi-ethnic or multi-age, um, and all of those things are really difficult. Like, this church is still extremely segregated uh, racially. The church is still extremely segregated. Um, you know, according to age, you either have old churches or young churches or whatever. Um but it's incredibly segregated when it comes to economics. Uh, economic segregation is w- one of those things that a lot of us don't want to talk about, but is, is very real. Um, even to the point where, you know, if, if you're a white suburbanite, you get your groceries at Whole Foods. And if you are a less wealthy white suburbanite, you get your food at Target. And if you're a redneck, you get your food at Walmart. Um, you, you basically pay to who, for who you shop with. Um, and, and that sort of economic segregation is in the church as well. So you've got churches that, that are, you know, for low-income um, redneck people. You've got churches that are for African-Americans, uh, low-income. You get churches that are for, you know, yuppies and rednecks and, and also for, you know, wealthy people. Um, and, uh, and, and so there's, there's all these segregations that we kind of buy into. And we've kind of purposely said, well, we want to be a place where, where we have economic diversity in our people. Um, which sounds really cool until you actually do it. Um, and then it just gets complicated and gray and messy and, frankly, sometimes upsetting and, uh, and confusing for a lot of people and, and tiring because it's exhausting to be around people who aren't like you. Um, and so that's kind of what we built this church on, um, and it's been, uh, it's been a challenge. It's, 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 a, it's a challenge, a constant challenge. I think when I came here seven years ago, I really thought, man, it would be cool if I could turn this this little urban church in a, you know, in a, in a kind of an up and coming area into the next cool little mega church, you know, where we could have a great band and we could have a sexy pastor and we could like, you know, send out flyers to people in the community and, you know, do Christmas pageants and things like that. And, um, you know, I, we, I feel like we kind of became cool in a different way. Um, and not a nicer and easier way, but like this strange back door way, um, where we kind of accidentally fell into what God had for us rather than, um, what we had planned. And so that's kind of been our journey. 
Um, and I'm in year seven and it feels like I'm just starting. Uh, like I don't, I don't really know that I have know anything more today than I did seven years ago when I got here. All right. Awesome. That was a really great introduction to the ministry here. I think, um, actually the way that I found this church, I was looking for Woodlawn Baptist church, which is right next door. Um, because I grew up in a Baptist church. My dad's a Baptist pastor up in New Hampshire. So that was kind of my background coming back to church for a while. I had not been going to church. I had, you know, had forays into different things intellectually, came back around to Christianity and God really brought me back to, uh, wanting to come back to church. And I was looking for a church in my area. I live right around the corner from this place. And, uh, I was looking for the Baptist church and I pulled into the parking lot here and there's a sign right outside that says the weirdest little church in Texas. And I was like, okay, well, let's see what this is all about. And I stayed here, and I found out the church has a homeless ministry and all the rest of it. And, um, yeah, it does sound great to be able to tell people that you have a church that works with homeless people or to tell people that you go to a church that helps with home, homeless people. Or, But that's a really, really tough community to be a part of. It's really unpredictable every Sunday. You don't know who's going to be walking through the door, in what state, um, what kind of help people are going to need. Um, not too long ago, I was here in the office, and there were two women that were here that were, um, you had said, had been pretty clearly abused, and they had little babies, and, you know, trying to figure out what to do. That's heartbreaking situations, and people in really, really tough times. But the thing, it's not an easy environment at all to be a part of, and it's even less of a, a easy place to be a pastor of. But one of the things that's kept me here and one of the things that I'm so thankful for this church and for what they're doing here is that that's really what Christianity is supposed to be doing. And there's so few people in the churches, even in this direct vicinity, with all of these people that need help in so many ways and people that profess themselves to be Christians that aren't reaching out to those people that need it the most. And in the Bible, I feel like that's the biggest commandment that you're supposed to be taking care of the least of these that God tells us. Uh, Jesus told us that when we, when we care for the least of these, when we help the people that can do nothing to give us back, then we're doing it to him. And at that point, you can't claim that you're doing it out of your own pride or hubris or wanting to build a big, beautiful church, you know, with people that have nothing to give you. You're, you're giving to these people and helping people in your community because that's what God requires as a Christian. I really appreciate this church for standing up for that, even though it's not easy. I mean, it's definitely not an easy environment to be a part of, to serve in, um, to work with these people on a daily basis, but they're the people that need it the most. And in Austin, uh, there's such a huge community and a lot of people that need that help. So we're going to talk a little bit more about um, the homeless ministry here and talk a little bit about how that's evolved since your time being here as a pastor, where it started in, and maybe some of the things that you experienced at the beginning that you weren't expecting, um, some of the daily stuff that you go through working with these people, and um, maybe some resources that you point them towards. And um, then we'll, we'll get into some other stuff after that, but we'll just introduce the ministry a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, to, to kind of take it to a base level, I think one of the one of the things that I think attracts people like Ricky, who whose dad's a pastor, and um, other people that I know whose parents are pastors um, or have worked in churches and kind of like fallen away from church um, to us is that they realize like how difficult what we're doing is. Like on, on, the, on, the, on the surface level, it doesn't look that difficult, but 
if you've ever done church, you know that it's much easier to do church with everybody who thinks the same. Um, as soon as you get anyone who thinks differently, things get really complicated. And unfortunately, like as Christians, we've kind of bought into this thing where um, our response, our following of the verse you just quoted is um, what I like to call um, drive-by service, where, and I think the most obvious kind of picture of that is the street corner, where you see a person standing and asking for a dollar or a sandwich or whatever it is that you decide to give them out of your car. Um, and literally you're driving by and the person needs a dollar. And then in your head, this whole conversation starts going on about, you know, does this person really need it? Um, is this person going to use it on drugs? Is this person dangerous? Are they going to reach in my car and grab me? Um, would Jesus want me to do this? Would Jesus not want me to do this? If you're a Christian, um, there's, there's all these weird conversations. And then if you have kids in your car, you're like, what are are my kids going to think if I don't feed this person? What are my kids going to think if I do feed this person? Um, uh, what is what are my kids going to think if I give this person money and, I, and then they you know pull down their pants and urinate or something like that? Like, like these are the, these are the questions that go through your head when you're when you're driving by a person. Now, a lot of us you know kind of make that really difficult air quotes difficult decision of whether or not to give that person money. Um, I think we've we've decided that instead of being a church that um, does that on a broad scale, and a lot of churches do do that on a broad scale, they take loads of food and money and all sorts of things down under bridges and to homeless shelters and they literally drop them off or do go do a service project once a year or twice a year or maybe in extreme cases four times a year um but it's always them versus it's always them and us like there's always there's always the it's very clear who's serving and who's not serving and who are the who are the recipients and who are the givers um and it's always on their turf so they never know where my space is um and a lot of times you're having to drive a significant way to get there, so there's no chances people could ever come back to your church. Um, my uh, my take on that is that I, I think the difference of what we do is imagine that you saw six people on the side of a road flying a sign, and instead of giving them cash, you put them in your car and you took them to your house, and you actually like fed them there. Um, the risk is so much higher. Um, the potential reward is also so much higher. Um, and I'm not recommending, and, and you know, this, this statement is not, um, you know, it's, it's not verified by Ricky B podcast, uh, incorporated. Um, but what I do want to say is that like, I think that's the difference that like what we do here, what makes sunrise different is that those people are part of our family. They've become part of the fabric. They actually come, they get to come into our space. They attend church on Sunday mornings. You sit next to them. Um, and that creates some really awkward conversations, you know, like we like, create some weird smells and it creates some weird talks and people will blurt things out during prayers and people will try and come on stage while I'm preaching. Um, and if you've got kids, it ups the ante even more. We're really great for singles, but once people have kids and they've got to decide, am I going to allow my kids to be around these people? Um, and then, and then you're, you know, then you're playing with your children's safety, you know, and, and uh, unfortunately in the church, so much of what we've built the American church on is safety, you know, and, and safety and, and, and prosperity. Um, and so it's one thing to risk your own safety, and a lot of people won't do that, but then to risk your family's safety. And when I say risk safety, we're not, like people aren't coming here with knives and guns, but, I mean, it's, it's that idea that what could they do? What are they capable of? What if they're mentally ill? 
Well, like I said earlier, it's just the in, the unpredictability of the situation. You don't know what state people are going to be in. I mean, there have been a couple times where I came to church here on a Sunday morning and people come into church clearly inebriated or on some kind of substance because that's what those people are dealing with. They're dealing with substance abuse issues and, you know, a lot of issues that they can't get help for. And I think that is the biggest difference. Um, I really like the way that you put that between Sunrise and other places that people come here and get help on location. And this is people that are existing in the neighborhood here and they know that this is a place they can come. On Sunday mornings, we do showers here. So they do showers and then they can come into the services and all that stuff. And um, yeah, Sunrise is doing stuff to help people get housing and get into rehab programs and stuff like that where People are actually getting lifestyle changes, trying to point them in the right direction rather than sustaining them for the day with a couple dollars or some food or something like that. This is a place where they can find legitimate growth and people that love God and trying to point them in a direction that's going to be beneficial for their lives, which is a big deal. And it is a really, really tough ministry and a tough group of people to minister to, but um, it's very clear driving through this area. I live right on South First Street, so right around the corner from here. Passing through these intersections all the time, there's always homeless people around. And it's a struggle for somebody who professes to be a Christian that believes that we're supposed to be helping people in our direct vicinity in very tangible ways and helping them um, and giving back what God has blessed us with and giving back to our community it's hard to pass those people every day and not want to give the, and want to give them money, but understand that if you give them cash money, they're probably going to go and spend it on their substance of choice or something that, you know, you can't necessarily endorse. It's really hard to do that. So one of the things that's kept me here at, at Sunrise is that that's the group of people in my direct vicinity that I want to help the most. But I know that just giving my money isn't enough and getting involved in a community and I mean, it's it's been good for me, too, to play music, to be a part of the ministry here, too. Um, I think that it's really important for people. I think the segregation of churches is definitely something that I noticed a lot. And one of the things that drove me away from Christianity for a while is that everybody has their sect and their community of Christianity. They keep it very separate from everybody else and the distinctions between them very clear instead of getting involved with everybody around them to make their community better, which is what the church is supposed to be doing. And um, this is definitely a place where people of all over the economic spectrum come together and try and serve to their best capacity. And it's, it's not an easy process, but I think that there's a lot of people in the United States right now that talk very openly and very uh, condescendingly towards the American attitude and um, the general me, me, me attitude of the corporate materialism that we have going on in the United States right now. But there's very few, few people that are legitimately getting involved with their communities and trying to um, be the light, be the salt and light that Christians are supposed to be in our communities. So um, let's talk about a little bit about the resources that you guys have access to here. And um, so somebody, say, in another city somewhere is driving past, they want to get involved with the homeless community or something like that. Let's talk a little bit about um, where, how can people help 
the most with homeless people in general, and then we'll talk more specifically about Sunrise and Austin. Um, yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, I do want to also just give the disclaimer that, like, we we don't really profess to know what we're doing. I mean, I, I feel like, um, I like people always say, like, how did you decide to get involved in, in helping the homeless and doing it so um, so well? And I like to say, well, like, A, we kind of fell ass backwards into it. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the podcast. But uh, there, but then also, like, the second thing is, like, I don't think what we've done is glamorous at all. I think what we did is actually, um, uh, the way I, I pitch it is, like, we basically stopped being aloof. You know, like, it, we shouldn't be, like, people shouldn't be super um, proud of us for what we've done. They should be like, why weren't you doing this 15 years ago? You know, I, I think... And that, for me, that's that was the most convicting thing. I was here for seven years. I was here for five years before we started doing this. Um, and I, I think to myself, was I ignoring this for five years? And really, I probably was. And our the first donor that we ever kind of had for this, one of the first things she said was, uh, I'm giving this money so that we as a, as a church family can stop ignoring this problem. Because um, it's on our doorstep. We, we, drove, we would drive by them every day. We would kick them off our property just like everybody else in town. Um, I, I think there's an important distinction too to be made between um, people who just want to give things and services to homeless people, and people who want to um, who kind of holistically care for their homeless brothers and sisters. And this is it's actually not just a, a spiritual um, community issue. This is actually HUD, um, federal government's HUD program is studying this right now. That um, they're starting to wake up and realize that all of these resources that they've been giving people, housing resources and, and food resources and all these kind of things, um, are, are very much less effective if they're not paired together with some sort of social ele- element. That the human person does not just need food or shelter. The human person also needs, um, one, of, one of our base needs is, is community. And, and for most homeless people, the breakdown is community first, not, um, not food or, or, uh, or clothing or shelter. It's, it's their families have, lo- have left them behind, um, sometimes by their own fault. But, they, you know, so, so it's that sort of a thing. So part of what I feel like we bring to the table is that we, we give people the opportunity to be a part of a family. It's not just um, you come here, you get, you get a sandwich, or you come here, and you, you, even, even if we, by God's grace, get you into housing, like that's, that's important, but it's also just as important to be a spiritual family and to actually like recreate social space where you can be. So that would that's what I would say is important. If if you if you're in a community where you know that's not Austin or you're just in a different part of Austin from us, we I think we would encourage any um, house of worship, um, not even not even just churches, I mean mosques, anybody, um, VFW halls that like if you're gonna do anything with the homeless, make sure that it's holistic in nature and make sure that it um, creates space for co-learning. Um, that it's not just giving things to people and perpetuating um, neediness. You know, I, I think this, unfortunately, the homeless people have kind of fallen in the donut between conservatives and liberals. Liberals obviously want to, you know, serve the homeless and, and, the, and the indigent through, through programs, which is, which is one thing. And, you know, some people would argue that that works. Conservatives, most conservatives that I know would, would argue that, no, that's more the church's or individual's job to do that. The reality is that neither of those people, neither of those sides are doing it well, and the people who are suffering are the people who are indigent. Um, and so both sides, whether you're a liberal liberal politics person or you're a conservative politics person or whether you're just a Christian observing, we have to realize that um, 
whatever we do, we've got to do something. <laughs> like, like, I think the only way you can fail here is to do nothing. Um, and so that, that even if you, even if all you do is give money to people along the side of the road, you yourself are going to be changed by that. And so even if they do spend it on crack, um, like it's going to be good for you. And so that's probably not the best thing you can do, but it, it might still be better than doing nothing. Um, but what I would encourage you to do is to find something that's long-term and something that's relational, um, and is also effective. And when I say effective, what I mean is that for a homeless person, the very word homeless person indicates what they are missing. They are missing a home. So if an effective homeless program, no matter if it's a government-run program or a private-run program or whatever, somehow addresses the housing issue, like it has to address the housing issue. We have tons of programs in Austin that run by churches and really well-meaning people that just literally do nothing about housing. And, and that's really unfortunate. Like, I don't really totally understand how you can deal with homeless people and not address the need of home. Um, but, but unfortunately, a lot of them do. They just want to throw things at them. It's more like they think it's humanitarian, but it's not really humanitarian in the sense that they're addressing anything but one basic need and creating dependence. Um, so I would find a program that, at, that tries to not create dependence. Find a program that is long-term that you can keep serving at over and over again so you get to know the people. Find a program that's relational in the sense where they're not just putting people through a line and then putting them out, but where you actually get to interact with them, get to know them. And if possible, if you're a house of worship or, or some other um, civic um, group, find a way that you can start enfolding people into, into the greatest weapon against homelessness that there is, which is, which is a community. Um, you know, you might be a member of an AA club, you might be a member of a church or whatever, whatever you're a part of that, that tool, that community tool is the greatest, is the greatest tool and, and, and leverage tool against homelessness because it recreates family. And for what most people who are coming out of recovery, coming out of addiction, coming out of homelessness need is they need, they need social and spiritual community. And from that point with that support, they can start to, to, to make the changes that they need in their lives. They might slip and they might screw up and they might, you know, do stupid things along the way. But that baseline gives them, you know, kind of the, the stool to step on to, to get over the wall, so to speak. Without that stool, you know, we're li- it's literally like they're on the other side of the wall and we're just tossing stuff over the top and, and saying, you know, get over the wall. Here's a sandwich. Um, you know, instead of give, actually giving them the, the footstool, the footing of having being a part of a community and having those people lift people up. Um, so so those those things, finding finding resources that are connected to housing, finding resources that are relational finding resources um, that, that kind of leverage the, uh, the power of community um, and, and finding um, places where you can serve long-term and not just one-offs. Awesome. Yeah, one of the... That's definitely, definitely a big deal. And, I mean, it's obvious with that community intera- interacting with those people that what they need is people in their life that are taking a legitimate interest in where they are and where they're going and what they're doing. You know, there's not a lot of people that are coming by on the street and offering to help them find a job or get them into a living situation or just give them people that they can talk to. And this church just being a place that they know that they can come to and there are people here that legitimately want to help them and get them into a better situation that have resources and the ability to do those kinds of things makes Sunrise a really outstanding place to be and definitely sets them apart from the other people in the in the neighborhood that are also involved in ministry um it's it's been a really great experience so um people can find 
this church on sunriseaustin.org, right? And then um, on Facebook, Sunrise Community Church, and then there's also Sunrise Homeless Ministry page on Facebook, and then they also have an Instagram account that is Sunrise Sunrise Austin. So if you want to donate to the church, if you want to just check out the church and see what's going on, you can check out the website, you can check out the Facebook page, you can send any inquiries there, anything about the ministry in there. Um, You can come by any Sunday at 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, any Sunday at 10 o'clock for the worship service. Um, if if somebody's not living in Austin, uh, tell them, like, the best way that they connect, connect with the church. Like, I'm sure you have people outside of um, Austin and maybe the state of Texas that are involved with the church in other ways. So um, if people can get involved with the church, if you have anything upcoming or anything like that, if you want to just talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and one of the things I, I, I want to go back and say, too, is that um, uh, this is not really something that gets us a hero's welcome with everyone. Um, we we have a lot of naysayers that are against us. Um, uh, some people might call it to the level of persecution. I don't know if I'd say that or not, um, but it, it's pretty hefty. Um, I you know, it, And it's, it's interesting, you, when you're dealing with a group of mentally ill people... Um, you know, I've had threats made in my life. I'd have, I've had people, you know, wield knives towards me. Um, people, you know, point guns at me, that kind of thing. Um, and that, that's from the homeless side, but I like, it's almost actually probably more dangerous from the, um, from the side of people who, um, are, are, are kind of acting out of their own fear of homelessness and kind of come against us, um, either digitally or um, in person or trying to do so through, you know, the media or whatever. Um, it's it's a it, it's a it's a tough and lonely life to sometimes do do right, um, and I think that's one thing that's proved throughout church history. And so, um, first thing I would say is that if there's if if you are interested in getting involved in it, you know, kind of what um, what the Bible says about um, you know if if you if you desire to walk in the way of Christ, um, that you know, following after Jesus sets you against a lot of other people. It'll set you against people in your own family, it'll set you against, you know, your friends, it'll set, set you against other people because it, it literally, um, scrapes against the core of, of what often motivates people, which is, which is selfishness, um, and, and safety. And, and that's, it, it's unfortunate. It's, it's part of what Jesus got killed for, you know, that, that he was advocating a position that was less safe, um, than what people knew and was less, um, self-interested than what people knew. And, um, so I guess I would say go in with your eyes wide open. You know, it's, it's, uh, doing homeless work is one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done. Um, it's also one of the scariest things that I've ever done. Um, I have a child, a four-year-old child and, you know, this past Christmas I was sitting in my car at the grocery store next door. My four-year-old or three-year-old at the time was sitting in the back seat of my car and a guy that had just gotten out of prison for 25 years. Um, I don't actually know what he did, but I'm guessing it had to do with taking someone's life. Uh, we're sitting in the backseat of my car singing jingle bells together. Um, and I just, I thought to myself, man, like, <laughs> I'm so glad that like, uh, you know, my the people who trained me in, in my church back home, like can't see this cause they would be so freaked out right now. Um, you know, I, I think it's a, um, it, it's it's a dangerous and risky thing to be involved in. 
but that's the nature of creating community for people. My good friend, John Agege, who's in Houston, one of the things he says is, um, if you're truly going to create community with people, you need to think about what it means to invite someone over to your house or to make someone family. So if you just invite someone over to your house, you're not going to like let them move your furniture around and, and paint your house or, or like pick new appliances. But, um, if someone becomes family, if you get married or you have a child and they like, literally you, you, you change the, the, the layout of the house, you, you paint the walls a different color, you remove dangerous items, you, you change the, the very nature of the place that you're in to your own detriment. Cause you had it the way that you liked it, but you do it because you're laying yourself down for the other person, whether it's a spouse or a child or whatever you do it out of love. Um, if, if you're, if you really want to do any version of what we're doing, it's going to cost you a lot. <laughs> like it's cost me some of my best friends. It's cost me some of our best donors. It's cost me, um, some of our seasoned church people who were just too scared to handle it. Um, it's, it's cost us our reputation for some people in the neighborhood. It's, it's cost me being cussed out by a lot of people, um, and being made fun of on, you know, um, TV, you know, local TV network, uh, chat lines and, and, uh, and, and comment boards. Um, this is the nature kind of, of what doing something revolutionary, um, causes in people's lives. So don't go into it thinking that it's just going to be all fun and games. Um, but I, I, I do think that if you're on the outside and that like what we're doing seems appealing to you, um, like I, I, I hope that it does because like, again, I, I think what we're doing has kind of an appeal to liberals and an appeal to conservatives. It kind of has an appeal to, to Christians and non-Christians. Um, we're not forcing anyone to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord before we give them food. That's not what we do. Um, so I, I think what you know, what, no matter what place you come from, hopefully what we do is something that can inspire you. Um, and if you are feeling like it's not the thing for you to get involved with in your hometown and you want to be involved with what we're doing, following us online is great. Um, like Ricky was saying, you can always donate online as well. Um, you know, we can always use stuff, but we'd much rather have cash because cash is much more fluid and we can use it where we need it. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I think just, uh, encouraging you to think outside of the box in your own, in your own city, in your own neighborhood about what, what it means truly to bring, um, to bring grace, to bring good news to people who are hurting and broken. Um, whether that means people who are coming out of recovery or people who are, um, in homelessness, people who are being trafficked, um, people who are, um, you know, in the sex trade, um, all of those, all of those groups of people that are marginalized, um, if you're a Christian, seeing those people as, um, you know, as God sees them, I think uh, ultimately forces you to make a decision that you're either going to ignore or you're going to um, pacify yourself by doing something simple, unless you're going to do nothing and then you're just a jerk. Um, but I, I think th- there's always a cost to, to peering in and, and you're kind of, you're responsible for what you know. Um, and once you've seen it, once you know that it's possible and once you understand the complexity of the problems, you have to decide, um, do you want to get involved or do you want to stay on the sidelines? And, um, no matter what city you're in or place that you're in, I just, I think it's, it's a good thing to get involved. Um, a couple of other things that we've done is that, um, we've, we've allowed church groups to come here and do service projects and, uh, even church elders and deacons to come here and observe what we do and kind of do like a ecumenical, um, vacation, uh, you know, service learning trip, come check out what we do and see if they could do it back in their hometown. Um, and for some people who live in small towns where homelessness is not an issue, uh, sometimes it's good to expose teenagers and things like that to these sorts of issues, uh, just so that they can get a, a feel for what does it look like to be a, a kind of a, a God-fearing and scripture-based church in the middle of 
um, just this immense amount of hurt and pain and, and, you know, kind of evil um, that we deal with on a daily basis. How do we hold ourselves down to the ground and how do we, um, how do we, you know, hold on to Christ and, and try to make a difference in the middle of that? All right, we're closing up here. I really appreciate you um, taking the time and talking a little bit about the ministry here. Thanks so much for everything that you've done for me, helping me along my growth while being here. This church has been great for me. I really appreciate the stand that they're taking in this neighborhood and the things that you... Um, it's very clear when you walk into a place that is full of people that honestly 100% just want to serve God. And this is a place where there's very little behind, you know, the, the motivation seems pretty obvious, you know, that people want to serve God, they want to show God's love to people that have never received that really from a lot of people in their life and try and kind of um, give back to their community and better it a little bit in their own ways. And um, this has been a great church, and I really appreciate the stand that they're taking for Christ in this area. So if anybody listening to this podcast has any questions about the ministry here or wants to talk more about it, you can get in touch with Mark or I about um, any of this stuff. We would really appreciate it. Thanks so much for everybody for listening to this, and uh, we'll get you next time. Thanks.